Welcome to the Home Hour. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to The Home Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. On today's episode, we're digging into homes and houses in a whole new way. We're talking about our homes and our lifestyles in terms of finance, and we're doing it with the queen of finance herself, Susie Orman. Yes, you heard right. Susie Orman is on today's show, and she's telling us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong when it comes to our bills. Plus, the Home Hour gets an exclusive scoop on those famous earrings. You'll never guess what she reveals, and why Graham gets approved for travel, and why Kirsten's dream of a second home gets denied. All, All that, that and more, more on, on today's this week's episode, episode, of, the episode of the Home Hour. Welcome home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. And welcome, everyone, to what might be, possibly, our biggest day on the Home Hour. This was um, a fun day. Oh my it was a really good day. So basically, so we, how far do we go back? Do we tell the whole story of two years ago when you told me I went Susie Orman? I think you said Suze Orman at that point. I mean, I think you were just still living the dream. Um, well, as anyone knows, I am Susie's biggest fan, have been are. for years and years and you years. Are. Like, I'm a finance Everyone who listens to the show knows I'm a numbers person. I love numbers. And I also love, like, conservative numbers. And I love for some reason, I learn best by people who like yell at me, and I just, so the bet like my trifecta of that combination is Susie Orman. I followed her for years. Um, I've listened to her on CNBC. I love her Women and Money podcast that she hosts. I mean, obviously, I loved her on Oprah. I loved her everything she does. I like her. Conservative You're a fan, approach. Graham. We get it. You're yeah. a fan. I'm a big. You're, fan. You're a super fan. Right. So Kirsten and I, when we started the show, like we had our dream list of people and really it was just a dream list of one. And so I've been stalking Susie for probably about two years now. And it probably got a little bit creepy, I would say. Like (laughs) it it started to almost be like a joke. Like I said, Graham, hey, have you emailed um, Susie Orman today? And Graham's like, no, let me do that real quick. And she would CC me on everything. So the number of mornings I would wake up to like, hey, just checking in on Susie. (laughs) <laughs> email. Oh, it was so funny. I mean, we started just, you know, hashtagging random photos, Susie Orman, to try to get her attention. I mean, we were just, this was our dream. We interviewed What Susie. Susie does is she specifically helps women be empowered and women take control over their finances and have ownership and be prepared because life happens and they're all different situations. And I think today's show is going to be really interesting. It's a quintessential Kirsten and Graham chat where we chat with our new bestie, Susie. I mean, she's lovable. She's classy. She's elegant. She cuts to the chase and she does not mince words. And so she doesn't I think mince we've... words, but like I was amazed. I was a little bit scared of her because I know she does like play hardball. She says, you know, tells it like it is. Do not buy that. Do not spend money on that. And um, to hear how just what a lovely, lovely woman she was. She was very kind, very gracious. And we tried to focus just on home stuff because obviously with her, we could go a million different directions. Um, but we just try to zoom in on the, on the home stuff. Yeah, we wanted to keep it germane to the home hour. So we're talking today about, you know, how much you can put into your home and how you're structuring the debt on your home, how to save kind of for retirement. And she'll she'll give you some good um, pieces of advice that, I, I mean, so for example, in 
quintessential Graham and Kirsten style. I think I probably opened up about where we are with our house and, you know, where we are with life insurance. I mean, things that are not always fun to talk about, but when Susie talks about them, they're fun. So on that note, without further ado, we'd love to introduce today's guest, the awesome Susie Orman. Welcome to the Home Hour, the host of the wildly popular podcast of her own, Women and Money, my white whale, my dream, Susie Orman. I don't even know what to do with today. Welcome to the show. I know. It's just something. It's something, isn't it? But want to know something, ladies, which is I do have a podcast, Women and Money, but I put a shutdown on it now for about a month. We'll come back again at the end of August or beginning of September. Want to know why? Why? Because even... Oh, it was incredibly successful. I hated reading the ads. I hated it. Mm-hmm. It just, I just, even though I loved the products and I used all the products, it just didn't seem like me. And part of the deal with the podcast company we were with is talent had to read ads, which I did not know when we signed up. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, I want to do this. So yeah, but- I'm not doing it. Here's the so thing, we're Susie, starting like, a whole nother you're company. a mogul and you roll with people like Dr. Oz and Oprah, but like Kirsten and I, so we're like, this is our side we hustle. We love reading ads and, <laughs> and, <laughs> because I'm trying to but, make money and save it because someone once told me women and money, it's important. Yeah. But here's the difference between you guys and me. You're mm-hmm. talking to people about how to buy homes and buy real estate. People don't expect you to tell them not to spend money. People do not expect me to tell them to buy something like a this or a that, or they just don't. That's My whole shtick is don't save, you know, don't spend money, save money, don't get into debt, don't get enticed by this and that. So that's why, but everybody, you can tune in Women in Money again, at least find it on iTunes and we'll be somewhere starting probably the first week of September. Well, and before we get to the interview, while we're speaking of women and money, we do want uh, our listeners to know that you are doing a live event in New York City at the Apollo Theater titled Women and Money. And we actually have a lot of listeners in the New York area. And this is a one night only event, September 15th. And the tickets are starting at $45 and they include a copy. No, they're not starting at $45. They're all, there's about 400 seats left. They're all $45. And that includes the price of the new hardback book, Women and Money. And the reason is I did not want people to buy their way to the front. I wanted people who really wanted to see me, the sooner they bought their tickets, they're in front. Every seat in that entire place is $45. And that includes the price of the hardback book that you will get there that's already been signed by me. Because I want women to be able to afford to come there. I want them to leave with the tools that they need. And I don't want them to come there and buy all this schlock stuff like cups and t-shirts and everything. I don't need to make more money. I need all of you to make more money. And that includes you two as well, by the way. My oh, heart Graham is, is bursting. My heart is bursting. In front of the theater. Trust me. <laughs> I will be there. All right. But let's get to the nuts and bolts. So the home hour is about homes. Okay. So you're, we know you're an expert on all areas, finance, especially for women, savings for retirement, getting out of debt, learning to budget, et cetera, et cetera. But we, Susie, would like to focus on homes because we are, our audience is 99% female. They are spread all over the country, all over the world. And you know, some of them are young moms, new families getting started. I mean, this is truly, our audience is your bailiwick. So we just kind of wanted to kick it off. And Kirsten, you want to get us started? Yeah. Let's start with the very, the first question. I think when you're, when you're addressing this, how much home can I afford? Like, how do I figure this out? And how much of that should I be putting down? Yeah. You, first of all, 
you play home. Because it's not, do you have enough money to put down? It's not, how much is your mortgage payment? Because a lot of you think, and I'll just do simple numbers here, even though I know they'll mm -hmm. you know, vary depending on where you are in the United States. Mm -hmm. Let's just say your rent is 1000 a month. Now, all of a sudden, you go and you find that you can buy a home and your mortgage is $1,000 a month. And you decide, oh, I can afford that. That makes sense. No, because with a mortgage comes other things, property taxes, mm -hmm. insurance, maintenance costs, all kinds of things. So I always add at least 45% above the mortgage payment. So in that case, it would be 1,000 plus 45% is $450. So now you're at $1,450. And okay. that's how much it would cost you per month to buy a home or have a mortgage. So let's play home. Can you afford the monthly mortgage payment? So therefore, at the first of every month, you pay your rent $1,000 while you still are renting. And you take an extra $450 every month at the beginning of the month, and you put it in a savings account. And you do that for six months. And can you easily afford that payment? If you can easily afford it, you're always on time, then at least you know that you can afford the monthly payment to pay your mortgage. The good news is after six months, you'll have an extra two, three, four, five thousand dollars that you can put down towards your moving costs and your down payment and things like that. So that's how you figure out can you really afford the monthly payment of owning a home? How much do you put down? You should put down, in my opinion, at least 20% if you can. Because as you all know, anything under 20%, you will owe PMI, private mortgage insurance. And that can be an extra $50 or $100 a month. That is a lot of money. Hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Right? In the minimum speaking, you should never put down less than 10%. But besides the down payment, everybody... It's not just the down payment. Do you have an eight-month emergency fund besides the down payment that you are going to put down? Are you totally out of credit card debt? Because if you have credit card debt and you don't have an eight-month emergency fund and all of a sudden somebody's giving you some money and you're going to use that to buy a home, you can't afford a home because you're already spending more money than you have. Mm -hmm. You don't have an eight-month emergency fund. So if you get sick and you can't pay the mortgage, what are you going to do? So those are the things you need to take into consideration. So basic. Okay. So basically, if you have any credit card debt at all, what if you have school loans? You shouldn't be purchasing a house because you're not. I didn't say that. Right. Student loan debt is not credit card debt. Okay. Credit card debt is where you are paying for your present day desires, mm -hmm. but your costs will be your future day needs. Mm -hmm. Student loan debt, that's something where you've invested in yourself so you can be more, so you can have more. Very different. Okay. That's a great, no, that's great. But Good if point. you're behind on your student loan debt, you most certainly cannot afford a home. 
Yes, of course. Okay, so if you're behind on debt. What about jumbo? So I'm going off, I'm already going off my outline. I'm just very curious. I feel like the jumbo mortgage threshold is actually relatively low. The, I mean, relatively low, what is it, 450 these days? Something along those lines? Well, it's, I don't know, is it 618,000? Isn't anything above 618 a jumbo? What do I know? I okay. don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, for jumbo, it's around 618. It seems to me as if the threshold for jumbos is lower than the major market asking price of many homes these days. Um, and so the idea of putting 20% down when you're still taking a jumbo loan, what are your, kind of what are your thoughts on that? Listen, I don't care if you take a jumbo loan, a jumbo jumbo loan, or whatever you have to take. But if you are buying a multi-million dollar home and you're financing more than a million dollars or whatever the interest rate deduction amount is, because it's changing all the time. A year ago, if you had a loan more than $1.1 million, mm -hmm. you couldn't take the interest off your taxes. Oh. So who is, so if you're getting a two or three, $4 million loan to buy a home, Mm -hmm. And you're not getting an interest rate deduction for that mortgage. In my opinion, you're buying too heavy of a home. Because if you're going to buy a $10 million home, so put $9 million down, and then you have a million-dollar mortgage. But if you're having to take out a mortgage where a percentage of it is not tax-deductible, in my opinion, at today's interest rates, because remember, ladies, today's interest rates are going higher and higher and higher for mortgages. They're not like they were a year, two, or three ago. And the Fed funds are going to continue to go up and up and up. When so it was a mortgage, yeah. We right? got our interest, interest rate, Susie, three and a half percent. What do you think about that? Is that that's great, right? Right. But it was fixed, correct? Yeah, fixed, fixed for 30 years. And was it 30 years? And how long are you going to keep that home? Oh, I'm, we're planning probably for the rest of our life. We, we've, this is and our first home we've ever owned and we'll probably keep it forever. Forever. And could you, did you even bother to check what a 15-year rate mortgage, the monthly payments would be on that home? Oh, like a 15 fixed? That's a good like point. Should like I have done that? you had been a little more aggressive, Graham, and said, we're going to save more. And yeah, because right, Graham, more. here's the scoop, sweetheart. Yeah. You bought a home, you mm -hmm. pay for it for 30 years. Uh -huh. Do you know after 20 years, just let's say it was a $200,000 mortgage. Okay. Do you know after paying on that mortgage for 20 years, uh -huh. you would still owe $100,000 on that mortgage? Uh -huh. So after 20 years, you only paid down 50% of your mortgage and then everything from that 20 year to 30 year, now you're paying down your mortgage. The mortgage companies want their interest up front. Right. Right. That's, so that's why your interest deductions are so high in the beginning years because they know you're going to sell your home in approximately seven years, really? but they've gotten all of their interest as if you owned it all 30 years. Got it? They're ripping that you off. That is amazing. So what? So what? So what do we do? Yeah, can Graham do so anything you, now? Because she's well, not not well. Yeah, she can. So I'll get there in a second. But but what you could have done is if you had even looked into a fifteen year fixed rate mortgage to begin with, mm -hmm. interest rates would be half to three quarters percent less mm -hmm. than a thirty year mortgage. Right. And in fifteen years, you would have owned it outright. Right. And nothing makes a woman feel more secure than owning her own 
home outright. No now at three and a half percent, because you could have probably gotten two and three eighths, you know, two and three quarters percent, okay. which was a big difference, right. big difference for you. But at this point, what you might want to do is contact your lender mm-hmm. and ask them if you wanted, how old are you right now? 38. Oh, so old. So if you, if you want to own that, and how many years do you have left actually on your mortgage right now? 25, 25 years. All right, 25 years now. And let's just say you wanted to own this house outright in another 15 years. You want to cut 10 years off. Mm-hmm. Call up your lender, ask them how much more do you have to send in per month that would go to principal only so that you would own this house outright in 15 years. Right. And they'll tell you. And then you just send in that amount of money. Right. Or and I should more, just take the, the outstanding pr- principal, right? And divide it by 15 years. Well, no, it doesn't quite work that way. It's, um, it's, it's, you can't quite do it that way because it's, it's, they calculate interest and it's amortized and it's this and it's that and your, uh-huh. and your principal is constantly changing because uh, you're paying some off and uh, you're not, you, you, no, you have to ask them for a new amortization schedule. A new schedule. Okay. I see what you're saying. And then you would know, right? Okay. Wow. okay well, or, I think part of, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, oh, you know, I could sit here all day long and tell you everything you can do with this mortgage. So could you we. Could divide you. <laughs> well, we should do that. But trust me, your listeners would go, enough of Susie Orman. Get the hell enough out of here. Enough of solving Graham's poor financial decisions. Just kidding. <laughs> You're doing good, Graham. You're doing great. I'm using myself as a real life example, Kirsten. I know. It's wonderful. Okay. But so here's, well, let's keep using Graham as a real life example. So I think one of the reasons why Graham would rather... Um, not have, you know, be paying more for her mortgage is she is a total travel person. Like Graham loves to vacation. It is her, it is her thing. And she, she's very good at it. She really does like provide these awesome cultural experiences for her family. And that's a big priority to her. Whereas like, I'm much more of a house person. So if you say buckle down, focus on that mortgage, I am with you. Whereas Graham wants to go and live life. So I, wait, I don't want Susie to think I'm like extravagant. <laughs> Any, I want her to know that I'm a devotee. Like that is an unfair characterization. Well, again, like, Graham, I'm, you've seen these savers. I am a listener. Like I travel, Susie, just so you know, just because I can. I am a budgeter. Like yes, but yes, Kirsten will put all the money into throw pillows and rugs. Yeah, so when I'm that. on vacation, all I'm thinking about is I could have bought a couch. So t- tell us, what what do we do with these? Is this okay? to have these different approaches? Well, listen, it's, it depends on your financial situation. Graham, do you have any credit card debt? No, no debt. Do you have an eight-month emergency fund? Uh, yeah, we pretty much do. Yeah, we do. You do. Mm-hmm. Are you fully funding your retirement accounts? We are. Are you proud of me? <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment for like 20 years. <laughs> Do you have, where are you funding your retirement accounts at? Do you have Roth IRAs, 401ks? What do you have going for yourself? We have Roth. We have 401ks. We have the retirement that's fully funded, you know, through my husband. Um, You know, so we, we pretty much, we're, we're spread out relatively diversely. Great. And do you have, because do you have children? We do, although that's not totally taken care of. I won't lie. We still have college we have to save for. And I'm not saying retirement's taken care of. It's certainly not taken care of. Um, It's just, um, you know. But you're fully funding. So you have a 529 set up for the kids. Yes, we do. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you have a will and a trust, an advanced directive, and a durable power of attorney for health care? 
Hmm. You do not. We have and, a we, yeah. and I wish I had a or do bing you? sound. Ding. What? <laughs> no, you don't. So, so, but financially speaking, you need to get those, by the way, because, you know, kids cannot inherit money because they're minors. Okay. So if you've left anything to your kids mm-hmm. and you and your hubby happen to be killed in a crash together, who knows what can happen, mm-hmm. where does all that money go? Right. Exactly. All the money that you've money been saving for into- retirement, all that stuff that doesn't just automatically go to your children? No, because minors can't inherit money. What does a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or even a 15-year-old do with it? They can't. So it goes into a blocked account. So you need to all have living revocable trust set up. So it goes into the trust where you have designated somebody already to be the successor trustee to watch over the money for the kids until they're older. Do you have life insurance set up? Um, we have some. Okay, now that's an interesting question. Sorry, we'll just dive into me, I guess. Why not? Like, let's just totally, let's just <laughs> no, totally. Like, this is great because I don't think a lot of our listeners yeah. are thinking, you know, maybe they're just not thinking like wills and trusts and, you know, and you're, you're absolutely right because they all are moms, not all, but many of them are moms of young children and you're 100% right. This is. Yeah. This is really I actually think remarkable. you're interviewing me, Susie, and my willingness to share my financial situation hopefully is helpful to others. <laughs> that kind of happens, you know. Oh, I, I would love always it. turn that, that I'm ready for you to around. yell at me. I want you to know I wear the same oh, pair of earrings every yell. day. <laughs> I love those. But here's the thing want to know a secret? I'm only going to tell you, ladies. I have two pairs of those <gasps> in case I ever lose one. Somebody sent me a pair that they saw on me and they purchased somehow, I guess from the same lady who made those. Uh And they said, I'm sending these to you in case you ever lose yours. That is like the sweetest thing ever. Isn't it? Because my biggest fear has always been, what the hell am I going to do if I lose one of these? So I'm always like reaching up to my ear. Is it still there? Is it not there? Oh my God, it's there. Okay, my necklace is still there. Thank God I'm home. I've only told you that. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, we got our, an exclusive, Graham. This is amazing. Okay, so back to life, back to life insurance. My husband has he's a partner at a law firm and he has a a decent amount that they offer him, but I've never I know, so to be honest, I do not have supplemental life insurance on him. What? And if you, I know. Right, so, here's the thing. You need to know if something happens to him. Mm-hmm. Or if something happens to you, because if something happens to you, does he suffer a financial loss? Is he injured? Is he whatever? Do you know what I mean? Money may be needed because he can't work. You're right. We're playing a little footloose and fancy free on this one. Yeah, you are. So you should figure out exactly how much money it takes after taxes for you to run your household if both of you could not work. Mm-hmm. Right, and let's just say it's fifty thousand dollars. Let's just mm-hmm. say that's true. Okay, and you would times that amount by twenty five. Okay, and therefore you would have a one point two five million dollar term life insurance on you, as well as one on him as well. Okay. Now, if he happens to have five hundred thousand on him, mm-hmm. then you only need another seven hundred thousand or whatever it may be on him. Do you see? Okay. So, but you each should that, and you should only have term insurance if you're having to purchase it. You never want to buy whole life, universal, or variable life, biggest ripoffs out there. Okay. So you might want to go to Select Quote or any of the quoting services that are there and see whatever company offers you the cheapest premium for uh, how old is your youngest child? 
Uh, almost five. Just shy of five. Five. So you want a 20-year level term policy. Okay. You want for the next 20 years until your youngest is 25 and they would be okay if something okay. happened by then, okay. that um, you want a 20-year level term policy for you know, 25 times the amount of your annual incomes. All right, Both of done. You can be done. That's that. And then you're taking care of that. And then you're fine. And then that goes back to you traveling. Here's the bottom line. Are you approved or are you denied? You are approved, my dear one. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best. This This is is the great. I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Because, Grant, listen to me. You have everything going for you. You're fully funding everything. You're doing this. You're doing that. You have everything. Obviously, you need a little tweaking. You're not behind. No debt. Eight-month emergency fund. Everything's great. Go and enjoy your life. Go on. No um, say maybe in the Bahamas. <laughs> hey, you can come. You know, I just had, do you know who Tiffany Pham is from Mogul? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right, so, so we just flew Tiffany here last weekend. And to, to say that that woman is brilliant. Yeah, when I say yeah, brilliant, yeah, that is. woman is brilliant. Like she was sitting there like you were all Google-eyed that she's here with Susie Orman. And I'm sitting here all like, like really Google died, like, Tiffany Pham, I haven't met a woman as smart as you in years. Fabulous. Love mogul. Isn't it excited oh. to see all these strong women that we are emerging? I mean, I hate to say that, but that it really, I feel like we are in kind of a, a golden era of, you know, let's all, you I mean, you've been doing it for years, but kind of like show our, you know, show your strength. Lay it on yeah, the line. You have to, you show your strength, but then it's really important as well that you show your financial strength to yourselves Mm -hmm. because women, no matter what age they are, their nature is to nurture. Mm -hmm. And therefore you will start making money. You will be financially independent. And then one relative after another relative after this, they'll start coming to you and you'll start feeling guilty. And you'll say yes out of fear that they won't like you anymore and you'll start doing things with your money that you don't want to do, but you'll say yes out of fear versus no out of love for yourself. So you have to get strong with the money that you make, ladies, because I'm here to tell you it's not what you make. It's what do you do with what you make. Hi guys, this is Kirsten and I thought now might be a great time to take a quick little break and tell you all about our sponsor for this episode. We have Epic. You may have heard us talk about Epic before because we are huge fans. Epic is a huge library of more than 25,000 high quality popular children's books, videos, quizzes, and more, all geared for kids in age about kindergarten to sixth grade. But there's also a great option for preschoolers. We have loved Epic and it's a great way to have access to an unlimited amount of books. It's it's just great. And it's been awesome for our family, especially kind of during this back to school, getting back into a routine of doing nightly reading. So I have someone here who's been using Epic and wanted to tell you a little bit about it. What's your name, little boy? John. John. And how do I know you? Because you're my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and what grade are you in? Second. Okay. And what have you been enjoying about Epic? Well, usually I play video games, and then my mom asked me to do read this book, and I'm just like, why do I? And she's like, because I want you to. And so I go over, 
she downloads me an app, and I love like anything on my iPad. So I use um, I use Epic for I'm sorry, like one only one book, and I choose like this shark book, and it's like fun fact about sharks, and it was really good. And I actually decided to have another book. Another book? You chose reading a book voluntarily. <laughs> Oh my goodness, they can't see you nodding, John, but I'm glad that you read it. So how many minutes are you supposed to read every night? Uh, 15. 15 minutes, and Epic has been help, fun helping you do that? Yep. Okay, and how about you? What's your name? Hugh. And how old are you? 10. 10. And how many minutes do you have to read a night? 20 to 30. And what is the favorite book that you have read on Epic? Big Nate. Okay, and what does Mommy love so much about Epic? There's no in-app purchases. Say that again! There's no in-app purchases. There's no in-app purchases. Can we say the same thing about Fortnite? Yeah. No. No. (laughs) Okay, so Hugh, why don't you tell them about Epic and about the great deal we have? Um, that normally Epic is seven ninety nine a month, but we have a special deal. You just type in the promo code, the Home Hour. It's just Home, home hour. hour. Mm-hmm. And you get two months free. Two months free? Yes. Once again, the website is getepic.com and the promo code Home Hour, and you get to try Epic two months free. Do you think that my listeners' kids would like Epic? Yes. All right, sounds good. How about we thank Epic for sponsoring the Home Hour? Thank you, Epic. We would we would like to get back to the the house oh, stuff. Basically, we're talking a lot about the other thing people are doing. We're we're remodelers. People on our show who listen, they're DIYers. They're constantly like thinking about their homes and ways to spruce it up. Tell us about the remodeling process. I feel like this is a big time for builders right now, just the way the economy is. What's the best way, in your estimation, to pay for home improvements, additions, re- renovations to the home? Yeah. You have to be very careful because you never want to overbuild. You never want to improve your property so much that you're improving it more than what the asking price when you go to sell it can hold. So you have to be very careful as to how much money, number one, you put into your home. Number two, why are you remodeling your home? If you are remodeling your home to sell it, It's a whole different thing than if you are remodeling your home to live in it. So if you happen to be one of these people that are buying homes and you're fixing them up so that you can sell them, Mm -hmm. what I personally have found is that, um, you know, that people would rather spend less for a home sometimes than where you have remodeled it in such a way and they can't relate to how you have remodeled it. Uh So you have to be very, very smart in what you remodel and what you don't remodel. And while you can do things such as, obviously, bathrooms are a big deal, a new paint job, a nice kitchen, all of those things are really, you know, curb, you know, are, are great. They also, you need curb appeal and things like that. You have to be careful because it doesn't matter how a home looks when they do the inspection on it. If they find that the windows are leaking, that the heater is old, that the air conditioner is about to conk out, that the refrigerator is blinking on and off, that they go and they turn on the water and it takes forever for the water to get hot, they're not going to buy the house. Mm-hmm. So right. you have to to know where to put the money and how to put the money. But with that said, 
Nothing lasts forever, people. Remember that. Do not forget, do not forget, do not forget that in 2006, 2007, it was 2006 on the Susie Orman Show on CNBC, when I started to tell all of you, sell your homes, don't buy any more real estate, stop it, people. It's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And it came to a big end. And you had homes in the Tampa area that were $700,000. They went down to $120,000. Mm-hmm. Those times, uh, not to that extent, but it is very probable starting late 2019, somewhere in 2020, even maybe possibly around the election time, that financially things can turn around and go the other way. Mm-hmm. And when people are in a situation where they don't feel rich because now they've seen their 401k decrease in value, mm-hmm. when interest rates go from the 3.5% that you've enjoyed up to 5 6 7 8% again, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely anything is possible. The turnaround times and the things like that are not going to be as fast when you have artificial intelligence entering the scene that will be replacing many jobs that many of you may have, be very careful what that does to the economy and personally the amount of money people have to spend on things. Mm -hmm. So just be very, very careful. Just because it was good doesn't mean that it's going to be continuing to be good when it comes to speculating in real estate. Are you seeing any indices that would... um potentially show now, that maybe 2019, Oh, that would take another whole show to, th- to talk about. Mm-hmm. But look at, just as far as real estate goes, look at real estate in New York. Real estate in New York now, for instance, has become a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. Things are on the market longer. Co-ops are not selling, you know, They're all not. different ends. Look at what's happening as to how long property is remaining on the market before it's sold. Look at inventories, look at how much is on the market to be sold. And all of those indicators, in my opinion, have now shown at least in areas like the New York area, Mm -hmm. which is different than the Nashville area and things like that. So you have to look at your own areas. It definitely is showing a slowdown Mm -hmm. and becoming a buyer's market now in New York. You're so right. My parents, I feel like my my grandmother just passed away and I feel like my it was a co-op building, which is so interesting, like how we still have doormen and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't, I mean, it was, it was a nice location, but um, the co-op fees alone, I mean, they're astronomical and they be, and I feel like they just almost gave away her apartment. Um, and I was, I was surprised by how low it listed for and sold for in Manhattan because it was well located yeah. and it was not terribly small and yet it didn't it didn't sell for nearly as much as I thought it should have been listed for. Yeah, the, the prices are definitely down. I had some friends that were over from New York City this weekend visiting us on the island, and we were talking about their place. And a few years ago, they could have gotten $8.5 million. Now they say they'll be lucky to get $6.5 million. So yeah. things that go up, go down. Things that go down eventually go up. But mm-hmm. just because you have been making money doing X mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're always going to get to do, you know, make money doing X when X is real estate as well as the stock market. hundred percent. 
Uh, so let me ask you then, uh, as families grow, do you have a preference um, as families grow and maybe salaries increase? Uh, is it smarter to move or is it smarter to renovate? Do you have one that you, you tend um, to like more? Renovation is always, it depends on your expenses and property taxes. Reno when you own your own home, do you just love, love it or list it? I mean, that's one of my favorite shows on HGTV, <laughs> right? But, but, but I'll tell you why. When you own your own home, even if, and I've owned many homes, even if you renovate it, if you don't change the footprint, your property taxes will remain the same. So if all of a sudden you keep going up from a 2,000 square foot home to a 3,000 to a 4,000, it's not just your mortgage payment that goes up. It's not just about how many years you're going to be having to pay that mortgage because chances are you're going to start all over again on a 30-year mortgage. Okay. Given what's happened in the economy right now with interest rates going up, you could be going from a 3.5% fixed interest mm -hmm. or 5.5% fixed interest, mm -hmm. more property taxes, more insurance, more electrical bills, more everything, more furniture that you have to buy, more everything, plus the unknowns, the unknowns of what doesn't work right in that house. What are your neighbors really like? Is somebody next to you going to possibly claim bankruptcy and all of a sudden, you know, sell the house and go into foreclosure, which totally blows your value of your home out of the water? When you live in a place that you really love, you know the diners you want to eat at, you know the, you know, dry cleaner and the gas station that you like to go to and your neighbors. And if something goes wrong, you know, somebody is there for you. And if you like all of those things, then just stay there and renovate. Because otherwise you're going, you're changing the known for the unknown. And the unknown is everything like neighbors, everywhere you're going, the cost to move, all these things. So in the long run, you know, as long as you're prepared for renovation, so if you get a $50,000 estimate and you know it's going to be $100,000, mm -hmm. if they tell you two months, you know it's going to be six. If you're right. okay with all that, I would, I would absolutely renovate before I moved into a new home. Because remember, in a new home, you have closing costs. You have all these things you have to pay for. Sure. Plus moving. This is an actual question my husband and I have had a lot as our family is growing. So I actually really appreciate that. And then I can I ask one more question while I've got you personal question while I've got you on, on our show. Every yes, time we do travel, on. we have this sort of um, like fantasy of, oh, we should just buy a house here. We should buy a second home and we're going to put it on VBRO and, and it's going to pay for itself and it's going to be great. What is that? Is that a terrible idea to have as like a terrible, terrible, terrible idea? <laughs> you are far, don't buy the second are, home are, and renovate my first home. Okay, can I say, yeah, Susie? Denied. Denied. denied, denied, denied. You are so denied. I can't tell you. Okay. You don't buy another home to get rental properties from it. You would be far better off putting that money in the stock market and getting dividends from it, because those dividends and everything you know, everything's liquid, you can sell, you can buy, you don't have any cost to hold stock and blah, 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 blah. When it comes to real estate, 
you have renters or you have the Airbnb and all of a sudden you have people who have destroyed your property and even though you've had you know, the destruction fees that you're going to charge them, it's still going to take you five months to restore it. And you're out that money. And as property taxes increase, as all these things increase, your expenses increase, what for? Why? If you, however, have the money and you want to buy a second home and you're actually going to use it, not just for vacations, but really live in it a long period of time, then fine, I've recently gone from five homes down to two. But we use, yeah, but that's because we used all those homes. When I would be working in San Francisco, that's where I lived. When we were working in New York, that's where I lived. When I was working in South Africa, that's where we lived. And we went to those places like every other month. Mm -hmm. So all our things were there, our clothes were there, and it made it very easy for us to do what we had to do for work. As soon as I stopped having to be in South Africa, you know, San Francisco and New York, they all got sold. Everything got sold. And they were gone. So thinking about this as like a long-term, look, we're not going to pay for vacations, but we're going to have this house. And, you know, as we get older, we're going to start spending more and more and more time there. And it's going to be this family lake house that we're going to keep forever. That's you just wait till you're actually at the point where you're going to. As long as you know, you go back to that family lake house, not just one year, not just two years, but three, four, five, six. It's like timeshares. Everybody bought timeshares way back when. Do you not like timeshares? I hate timeshares. Kirsten has a timeshare. Oh, that. (laughs) Not really. I know. Tell her. Tell her, Susie. I know. She's dumb. You are not. That is just stupid. (laughs) Dumb. Um, because can you sell that timeshare? Can you ever get rid of that timeshare? No. How how many times have you used that timeshare? Well, wait a minute. No, no, no. It's my in-laws have a fractional ownership and I use it all the time. No, we're, we're very fortunate. How many times did they use it? How many times did they use it? We use use it it? all the time. We use it. You uh, guys use it, but do the in-laws themselves use it? Yes, we do. We do. And I don't know if, but okay, it's like, I mean, yes, we, they do use it, it and it's where they always go back there and they love it. And yeah. that makes sense. Most people, after you've gone someplace for three years in a row, they go, you know what? They're I don't sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, this is in Telluride and to own in Telluride is just astronomically expensive. Yes. Yes. So Telluride is fabulous. Yes. Right, and it's so very, and you can drive there from where I live and it, it works well, but, but I know, I know that I don't know if they would endorse it as a financial decision. It's been a wonderful family memory making uh-huh. item, but it's not, I don't know if it's, but it's been, yeah. it's been good, but okay. We know Susie, we, we told you we would just keep you for half an hour. So I think we probably need to wrap up, but one last question in today's work environment, uh-huh. we know that people are dealing with relocation a lot and we've had many of our listeners write to us and say, I've been moved to, I mean, all over the world. How do you know before you or your spouse takes a job um, if, if, if that's going to work, even if there's a salary increase? Yeah. I mean, how do you approach a new city? You approach a new city before you say, yes, I'm going to do this. So for instance, all of a sudden you're being moved from Iowa to San Francisco and they're going to give you a 10% increase in your salary. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because number one, the very first thing that you should check is what is the state income tax? So let's say you're moving from Texas to California. Texas that has a zero state income tax. Florida that has a zero state income tax. 
Florida that has a 13% state income tax for the top bracket. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, 13% of your money is being taxed for the state of California, and they only gave you a 10% rate increase. You're already 3% underwater. Then what is the cost of living there? So it shocked me, honest to God, the first time I came to Florida and I went out to a sushi bar and I got a bill for $38. I almost fell over. In New York City, one roll of sushi was $38. Yeah. So I went from two, three, $400 a night bills at a sushi restaurant with a friend or two to $38 for three people. Oh my gosh, come to Birmingham, Alabama. We'll buy you some sushi. <laughs> that's, right, where, that's where I am. <laughs> All right. And so it's, it's really just a matter of what is the cost for a gallon of gasoline in California versus Alabama? Look at all of those things, the cost of real estate to buy, the cost of your property taxes, the cost of living. You want to go to a movie and you're used to paying $6 and now it's $14. Okay. All of those things mount up. So before you do a relocation, you have to look at all of those things, add how much more that is going to cost you. And you should ask for at least after taxes that increase in salary because otherwise you're going to lose money. And then you have to wonder, is it even worth doing it at that point? Those are the things that I would look at. Most people who relocate, I don't know, they don't love it when they're moving from a low income tax bracket state into a high one. It really starts to get to them. Unless, yeah, and I, I hear what you're saying. Unless you're thinking you're doing it for some sort of future advancement that you haven't been promised, however, you think that you're, you know, somehow advancing your career. Um, that, but, but what's yeah. interesting is that you have, you know, there are some major companies out there now that have just, when they merge, mm -hmm. they have significant layoffs. Now, QVC and HSN merged, significant layoffs right? You know, you have companies, you know, you have the Disney and the, or the Discovery and Scripps and all of them, you know, whatever, layoffs. Mm -hmm. So just be careful, everybody, because as companies are getting larger and, and I, I'm not being Miss Doom and Gloom, all I'm asking you to do is think and be aware and listen to what's going on out there and don't think that it's always going to continue so that I can always spend the kind of money that I'm spending. Mm -hmm. Every single one of you, and this relates to real estate, should live below your means but within your needs. My very first apartment that I bought in New York City in 1998, I could have afforded a multi-million dollar apartment on Park Avenue, penthouse and everything, but I didn't need it. So I bought a $240,000 apartment on 57th Street mm -hmm. because that's all I needed. Right. But, you know, live below your means, but within your needs. Buy what you need, not what you want. And get as much pleasure out of saving as you do spending. Just because you're making more money doesn't mean you should spend more money. The gospel. Live on what you've been living and save what you're making. Because anything can change at any time. And for any of us to think 
that prosperity is going to last forever is just ridiculous. Hope is not a financial plan. So I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but as conglomerates are getting larger and artificial intelligence is setting in and pension plans, which are underfunded and the deficits that are about and the debt that's about to hit one, you know, trill, it's just crazy. Prepare yourselves. Just prepare yourselves by saving money. Just save your damn money, people. It wouldn't kill you. That I think is, that is the perfect advice for our listeners. I think that's the perfect way to end this. Um, just it's great advice and it's a good reminder that, that yeah, we just got to be smart. You you be smart. girls are fun. I like you girls. <laughs> and well, I, I keep my fingers crossed for you, right? Wow. Like I hope you make it big, 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 big. I would love to know that that's true for you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. We absolutely love to. Oh, and if you need anything, you just let us know, okay? And you need anything or you want to know anything, let me know and I'll answer you back, okay? Thank you so much. All right. Have the best day. Go enjoy the beautiful Bahamas. All right, sweetheart. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. But there's also a great option for preschoolers. And we have my preschooler here as well. How old are you? Five. Oh, wait, you're not in preschool anymore. I'm in kindergarten. But can you read? No. So what about the Read to Me books on Epic? What do you think of those? Good. Good? Yeah. 